So, welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Uh, we are recording on the 20th of January. Uh, we're going to be doing our review show today. Uh, of course, it will be spoiler-filled in case this is the first time you're joining us. Uh, we will always review the titles from the previous week, but we want to make sure that uh, you are aware that there will be, at the very least, minor spoilers, but certainly in some of our picks of the week, probably quite major spoilers um, in there. So, proceed with caution. Uh, your host, as always, Alan. I'm joined this evening by... Vicky. Keith. And Roddy. And how is everyone this evening? Good. Not bad, not bad. Uh, how's the weekend been? Weekend was fun, easy, uh, nice and busy in the, in the store. Uh, our weekend was pretty much set up by um, going to see Bad Boys for Life on Friday, which was unapologetically awesome. <laughs> oh, yes. Just what you want. Shut your brain off. Have a good laugh. Take you back from when you were a kid. Like some of us weren't kids. Well, <laughs> it yeah. was only nineteen ninety five, Vicky. Some some of us only. saw Bad Boys two in the cinema. Well, I didn't. <laughs> some of us saw Bad Boys in the cinema. <laughs> did, you, did you actually? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Was Bad Boys one not eighteen rated? <laughs> yeah, I suppose you would have been one. I was seventeen. Oh, <laughs> breaking the law, They're Miller. Catch you. Disgraceful. Um, but yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, as Vicky says, switch your brain off. You know, just. Forget about the outside world for a couple hours. Good leads, good action. There was there was a couple of ooh moments like yeah. it sort of. It was just yeah, it was one of those movies that just yeah, just fun, fun. Um, yeah. On the opposite side of the scale, I believe that you saw something that was maybe a little more serious. Ah uh, no, Jojo Rabbit was fun as well. Um, <laughs> I saw it. Uh, went to see it last night with uh, with Bruna. Um, it's uh, Taika Waititi. Uh, you know, famous for obviously in our in our realms. <laughs> oh, look at uh, that! Uh, uh, can, you, can you can you off those ten realms again, please? Uh, we don't have time right now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, obviously, director of Thor Ragnarok. Uh, what we do in shadows, uh, hunt for the wilder people. Yeah, the, the upcoming those. Thor, love the and thunder. Upcoming Thor, love and thunder. But uh, how would you describe it, Roddy? It was kind of like a feel good movie set in in uh, in forties Germany. Yeah, so so I I don't know how to describe it. Um, I lo- I loved it. I thought it was amazing. It was fantastic. Um, I don't think you can describe it. An uplifting tale set in Nazi Germany. It was really bizarre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very, very good. I mean, it's uh, the yeah. Uh, I mean, some some a great cast as well. Scarlett yeah. Johansson in there. Take away TD himself. Sam Sam Rockwell. Um, so a lot of folk actually who. Uh, who are involved in Marvel movies. There's two uh, of the cast mm-hmm. of uh, Iron Man 2 right yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, really, we're worth seeing. I mean, it's 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 hard to to make, a, I guess, a, 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 a nearly a, a comedic sort of feel-good movie set at that time, but the, yeah. and there are serious moments in it, and yet Waititi sort of makes them something you can feel all right about. Yeah, yeah, it's got it's got real heart in it. Yeah, like and that's uh, that's a typical trait of his films, isn't it? Um yeah, fantastic. We had to we almost had to convince you. We had to prod you into the cinema. Well, yeah, we? it was uh it was it wasn't actually wasn't actually me, it was Bruna that was sort of having a few a few problems with it, you know, the the idea that this movie was set in in, in Nazi Germany and, you know, the 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 connotations of the the Holocaust and and, mm-hmm. and World War Two and uh fascism obviously and uh bruno bruno thought well is this something is this something we should be laughing at um but i mean i obviously i know 
Waititi's films and, and his roles and uh, I, I, I sort of trust what he's doing so mm-hmm. you know yeah but uh, I appreciated the wee uh, the wee uh, support there so uh, <laughs> we went to see it and we both, we both really really enjoyed it and we're glad we did yeah. we came home actually to watch the second episode of uh, BBC's Dracula Ah, yeah. Uh, so we had a way to talk in the car, Keith mm. and I, about dr- our feelings on Dracula. Um, or mix things. It's, it's that would be re- fair. Yeah, um, I've seen them all now. Um, it's not for me. Yet you still watched it all. I watched it all. It's brilliantly made, well acted. It's just, no. Um, probably, probably not my version of Dracula. I think my expectations were, I expected a you know beautiful gothic melodrama what i got was sherlock dressed up as dracula <laughs> yeah, your man. which is a, you know no bad no bad thing um for some people but just no not for me your man's a wee bit uh, he's, he's he's sort of like cheeseball christopher lee yeah. you know he's trying to do a slightly slightly cheeseball like horror. yeah because yeah. he was like oh you you look a bit little stiff you know you know that that's like all it's just quips and yeah, that, that sort of thing yeah it's quip worthy yeah absolutely so but but uh we bit of a twist at the end of episode two and uh whether it's needed or not but i think i'm gonna we'll probably oh, yeah. we're, we're, we're two-thirds of the way in so yeah you have, to, you have to finish yeah. it and yeah, rounding it out, I saw 1917, which I can't recommend enough. Absolutely fantastic. Um, two sort of um, actors that I had no real knowledge of. Um, I think one was in Game of Thrones. Um, the other I've never really seen in anything before. Um, uh, Sam Mendes, isn't it? Um, director, directed Spectra and Skyfall. American Beauty. American Beauty. Road to Perdition. Road thoroughly, to Perdition. thoroughly underrated oh, movie. Yeah. Um, and Revolutionary Road, too. Um, wasn't the greatest fan of his Bonds, um, but I love this. Just in a, similar in a way to the way you were describing Bad Boys. Bear with me here. <laughs> <laughs> a serious subject, but you can. It's like. The craft of it is amazing, but at the same time, you go in for two hours and you're thrilled. Um, to me, it didn't really, the seriousness of war is there, but it still felt like you go in and you just watch this incredible piece of cinema and then come out again and then that's it, you know? Really, really thrilling movie. Can't recommend it enough. Love the, the way it's set up. People will have you believe, yes, it's one take. It's just really, I don't know, a one-y, it's really fluid, you know, the way the movement in it, it's just, it's beautiful. Does really. it beat that 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 one long run in Avengers, though, from <laughs> <laughs> you know, from from where Hawkeye fires the arrow right up until Thor, or uh, Hulk punches Thor in the side of the head and it just follows each of the Avengers in turn, that's just... Oh, well, fantastic. Nothing too. can compare to that. <laughs> <laughs> they should, they could make a two-hour Marvel one, couldn't they? One take, yeah, just one one, take. one shot, yeah, absolutely. Watching that would be ambitious. Um, uh, you never know. Yeah, I mean, circling circling back to to Bad Boys, um, I rewatched the original Bad Boys on on Friday night. Um, I remember at the time that being that being a real thing because it was the first time that the Fresh Prince was in an actual movie. <laughs> you know, it was the start of Will Smith's film career, and you know, uh, uh, it was just it was it was nice to see it. It still holds up. It still holds up. Mm. You yeah, know. See, I, I brought that up because a lot of our younger customers tried to argue with me in the store that Independence Day was his debut. I was like, no, 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 no. It was the year after? It was the yeah. year after. 96. He Bad had Boys, some, some run from 
Bad Boys, Independence Day, Men in Black. There's probably a couple of others in there. That's an unbelievable Animated series of films. Around yeah. that time was cracking movie. And don't forget about a whole range of uh, award-winning hip-hop albums. Oh, of course. The same yeah. Big Jiggy style. Yeah. Oh, big Willie style. Big Willie style. Get, get big jiggy with it. <laughs> Getting Jiggy with it. Jeez. I've just went peak Will Smith. Um, it's okay. You were singing the Wild Wild West earlier. I so. was, and unfortunately Keith was recording that, so you never know. You may have a treat in the after credits section of this podcast. Let's see what I can do, yes, man. Um, <laughs> just speaking of Dracula, just something very quick I thought was really cool. I don't know if you guys saw the billboard advert for it. No? In Belfast? No, it was, it was actually in London, but what they'd done was they had this picture up uh, on Jam Billboard and just said Dracula in red. And then there were all these stakes as if it was, you know, piercing and it was blood, right? Uh-huh. But as the as the sun went down and shadows fell across it, it actually formed Dracula's oh, head. Oh, wow. And but that shadow, there's, right? There's like a real time, or there's there's someone who's done sped up the real time of it. And you can actually see it forming as the sun goes down. Very oh, that's clever. fantastic. Very that's clever fantastic. what they did with that. Um, but yeah, just a couple of other wee things just couple of things that sort of caught my eye just before we, we jump into the reviews uh saw that the original alien script is going to become a graphic novel and oh, was that in the same style as that alien three uh, alien series three, last the year? uh william gibson's on you script yeah yeah although from what i understand based on mr mccance's uh reaction to it here <laughs> this is a movie that definitely changed for the better oh i'd say alien. so um i I had the alien. I have the quad quadrology. Quadrilogy. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, had it out a while ago. I was watching the documentary about it. Um, Dan O'Bannon and Dan O'Bannon wrote the original script, mm-hmm. and it was Walter Hill did uncredited rewrites. Walter Hill of the Warriors, a few other movies as well. Um, yeah, if the documentary is to be believed, nobody really had any faith in Dan O'Bannon's. Uh, star beast script it was called mm-hmm. at the time um and it was heavily edited to what became alien um yeah i don't know i think with alien 3 I'm, i was really interested in that but i wonder is this maybe a step too far but then i love the way comics can have harnessed yeah, that unused those idea, curiosities you know? almost. yeah yeah but coming in two they... years time the schneider cut of justice league oh, in comic on, form come on <laughs> Are those, you know, that's a perfect example. Are those curiosities worth it? In this case, no. For the Snyder Cut. But you don't know that because you haven't seen it. We're not going to get onto this again. I can already see Keith's eyes glazing uh, over. He's already giving me me evils across the table here. Um, But yeah, another thing we sort of noticed, it was actually Vicky noticed it there on Mark Miller's Facebook. He just put up a picture of his sort of ideas board almost. And he said that... uh, American Jesus is the last of the current wave of books that started with a magic order, and I've been quietly writing the next wave over the past six months. These don't start until 2021, so American Jesus is the last monthly book you'll see from me this year. But here's a peek at his drafting board, and on there, there are some great little Easter eggs. Magic Order 2. Kingsman. Um, Kingsman's on there. Nemesis. Uh, Colors Needed for Frank Quitely, number two cover. Uh, Nemesis Chat at 4 p.m., uh, Jupiter's Requiem, Reborn 2, a big Brazil flag, which is interesting. Um, and what was the other one I saw there I thought was pretty cool? Um, where are we? Oh, here we are here. Have Netflix uh, legal check name for brand new superhero project. Mm. So Mark Miller always does like to have a little bit of fun with the comic industry. He did it with American Jesus, of course, releasing that as Project Xmas. Uh, from what I understand, the reaction to that has been very, very good. 
I personally haven't read it. The first one was very good, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I might go back and reread the first American Jesus, as we've put it in our collection somewhere, as our books are forever growing. Are you trying to say that our collection is that big, that it's somewhere? It's somewhere (laughs) lost in the indie pile. I think think it would be pretty easy to find after my excellent reorganizational skills last week. Most likely, and Mm. I'll probably bring it with us when we fly on friday yeah it's quite a thin little uh graphic it's okay if you need something to read you can borrow my massive tome of uh bone the bone one volume edition by jeff smith <laughs> it is I indeed leave that to you <laughs> i think i think i think vicky you would really enjoy it actually um that uh just says on the board there magic order too yeah looks very often much like he's taken a sharpie to the uh, magic order uh <laughs> <laughs> logo and just written a two <laughs> under it. Very much um, so. I don't care. As long as we get something as just as good as the first one. Yeah. Um, is that for 2021 releases? Yeah, yeah 2021. This is sort of his ideas board. So it's uh, interesting because I, w- I would love to see, is there anything coming like i3 Netflix this year? Yeah, well, that's it. He's, he's written a few things like check this with Netflix and check that. I can't quite see his January 2020 uh, calendar there. But uh, it's an interesting little uh, Easter egg we hunt around there. So, But yeah, I mean, I, from what I understood, the Magic Order was going to be the first one of that yeah. collaboration, and it's been very quiet on it. The only stuff I've seen f- um, photos from is Jupiter's Legacy, and uh, that's basically it. So it's it's all went a bit quiet on the, Met- the Miller World Netflix. I mean, that was, what, four years ago? Yeah, it, feel, it feels like a long time a ago. A good while you know? ago. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think there's there's a larger a larger plan there because, I mean, obviously, we've, we've talked about it before. Disney are starting their streaming platform. Uh, DC and Warner are starting their streaming platform. Everybody's starting their own streaming platform. Uh, so Netflix is going to be losing an awful lot of the, the proprietary licenses that they have, which include, you know, the Marvel TV shows and... Um, you know all of that stuff so they're producing a lot more of the original content so that's exactly why Netflix have bought Miller World because they yeah. can produce that as so I'd say they're they're beavering away quietly in the background and a lot of the, they probably know exactly mm. whenever these contracts are expiring whenever whenever these things are going to be pulled off their their platform so those things are going to be there to replace those yeah I yeah. would say so I think they're I think they're they're playing it smart they'll they'll let these things the licenses play out you know that they have rather than loading the the, the Miller World stuff on, on top of it. Yeah. You know that. That's, ah, that's so it'll, it'll nearly like be, be a soft relaunch for Netflix. Yeah, that's but, fair. But then that's the thing. You go through Netflix and you're you're constantly looking through, and you there's too much choice almost. So it might be kind of a good thing that DC take their stuff, Marvel take their stuff. So fair enough, it would mean more streaming sites that you need to get. But at least then, like if it's just Miller World on like Netflix. And then at least you can, it's sort of a smaller sort of medium because there's sometimes you go through it and you're just flicking there for an hour and just like, <laughs> just then, wanted to then you end up watching Tiny House Nation. Well, I was going to say you end up <laughs> watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine for the 15th time. Uh, yeah, I mean, kids these days, they'll never understand the joys of the video shop. Whatever you chose at the video shop, that's what you were watching that night. <laughs> that you were stuck with. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it the weekend? And you watched it five times over the weekend. And you wanted to get your money's yeah. worth. But you had to rewind it, just yeah. remember that. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, one thing to keep your eye out for Netflix is uh, Lock and Key is being dropped on February 7th, and if it's even half as good as the graphic novel series by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez, that will be something awesome. So keep an cool. eye out for that. I uh, must I must read that read that graphic novel, actually. The, I have to say the trailer looked a wee bit teeny boppery to me. I don't know about you guys. 
no i was i was satisfied with it they seem to be leaving some of the darker elements to the background which i like i mean i think the likes i think netflix does very well with things like chilling adventures of sabrina and riverdale and it's aiming for that audience but mm-hmm. if they manage to um bring in some of the darker elements of the book like the girl in the well who they did not show at all they just had like a little voice rising up if they get that right that show is going to be awesome and it is their third attempt at it. It's the third pilot that's been shot for it. The other Seriously? two just apparently didn't get it right. So oh. um, now I'm really looking forward to that because we don't have enough to watch. Mm. I, uh, <laughs> I, for the second week running, have completed my pull list. Uh, this is a Monday. New comic book day is Wednesday. It is. Just saying, if you had something lying around it. <laughs> and, and you read your pull list and sent in from TKO Comics. Uh-huh. Let me see if I have something to um, right. Did I'm you not read something. Punish Your Kill Crew as well? I read that, yeah. How fantastic that was, was that? It was great. It was it was the comic version of, as you were saying, Bad Boys, Turn Off Your Brain and Enjoy. <laughs> exactly. It was, what it about was, um, Spider-Man, The Horse and The Helmet? Where he talks to the horse. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, he's fantastic, yeah. yeah. See, Roddy, you need to get on this. Okay. Well, that was the War of the Realms I, uh, in general I enjoyed. Yeah, because that was through War of the Realms. That was Strike Force as well, wasn't it? The nay part. Yeah. Ah. Um, I say the nay. Or <laughs> <laughs> you just see a speech moment. Nay, 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 nay. That'll tie in nicely to one of our review titles. I, I think say. so. <laughs> and uh, I think, if I'm right, isn't uh, Star Trek Picard starting next week? Yeah, it's really interesting because there's a triple, there's a three-issue miniseries that's a prequel to it. And the third issue of it doesn't come out until the week after Picard starts. That's some per- that's some DC level planning right there. Mm-hmm. So is it a weekly show? I'm not actually sure. I'm not a Star Trek guy, so uh, this is. I don't. I don't know how they'll. Certainly, Discovery um, was released week by week rather than rather than Benji. Mm-hmm. Um, is I it Netflix imagine. that Picard's going to? I, I don't it? know where it'll land in, oh, in the okay. UK. I'm not sure. Um, uh, CBS. CBS, I I would imagine CBS All Access or Access, whatever they call it in the states, and Netflix picked it up, picked up Discovery here, so I imagine Netflix will be picking up that as well. Yeah. Um. Cool. Cool. How about the pull list this week? Uh, I gotta say, for me, it was a very quiet yeah. week, apart from, of course, that aforementioned giant soft cover edition of Boom, which I've been waiting on for months because they were out of stock of it. Uh, so it arrived for me this week, but my pull list was pretty pretty small this week i only had nine issues i think i had five i i do have one to read but i will catch that up yeah i was quite i think i had about five too i've got a graphic novel as well um but yeah i think it's been quite a slow couple of weeks for me actually kate's gonna put us all to shame by having (laughs) as many titles as the three of us combined i had uh 14 uh so it was a fairly average week for me um it was very dc heavy yeah, very DC heavy. Um, I think uh, I think the majority were DC and indie, and I had four or five Marvel titles. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a good week. I uh, I had trouble sort of deciding what was my what was my pick this week, but got there in the end. Got there in the end. Well, cool. Well, sure. Why don't we jump on to some of the reviews picks then? Uh, yeah, it's going to be a Marvel heavy reviews portion for this one uh we're gonna let vicky kick us off uh just because she stole my pick not this again <laughs> no bitterness there no it's but well, he has more on his whole list than i do so yeah he should don't worry don't worry vicky i got a, i got a slag in last week so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i stole his picks apparently <laughs> oh come on what have you got for us then so i've got jessica jones blind spot number one it also has um parental advisory on the cover so it's very 
not for kids, as they say. Mm. So I was expecting to see a Max on the front when I saw not for kids parental advisory. You know the way they brought back Max yeah, with Punisher. It's, it's the same 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 font they've written parental advisory in. Yeah, but it's by Kelly Thompson and Matthew D. Oh, completely messed that up. We've been practicing it all <laughs> evening, and I mess it up. So it's um, Dilu Is, I think. But that's how we think we're pronouncing it. Portuguese artist, isn't it? Yes. So, um, isn't it? Um, I believe so. But it's uh, number one, and it's very good. I well, I liked it, <laughs> and I know Alan did. As obviously, it was going to be his pick of the ty- of the week. But it's um, it starts off in an unknown um, location and an unknown time. So we don't know if it's from the past or it's um, the present or even the future. So um, it looks like um, Jessica is actually tied up, but um, she has her um, jeweled costume on or outfit. So she obviously was a superhero before, but um, wasn't very good at it, um, as it says in the wee footnotes. I believe it says she sucked. <laughs> Hang about. What was she called? Jewel. Jewel. Sorry, yeah. I was wrong. Matteo De Eulis is an Italian artist. Okay. So it, in the footnote, it says, Jessica Jones was once the costume superhero known as Jeweled. She sucked at it. <laughs> you were right, Keith. Um, now she is a private investigator on her, at her own firm, Alias Investigations. She sucks less at that. With the purple man gone, her relationship with her husband, Luke Cage, and their daughter, Danielle, is better than ever. But there's always another case. So obviously the f- first page is a bit sort of unknown wherever f- where it is in the timeline or and sort of where they actually are. Then it goes on to um, they're in Hell's Kitchen Park, and as they always say in TV, if they're happy, you always know something's going to go wrong by the end of it. That's <laughs> <laughs> Walking Dead. You see two people walking along happy, smiling. You know one of them's dead by the end of the next episode. There you go. <laughs> So it's all happy and Luke and Jessica are walking around the park with Danielle. And then... What I found interesting with this was that he is a picture perfect. Um, <laughs> he is Luke Cage from the TV show. They really did do that casting so perfectly they that did. I don't think they'll ever get away from it. Jessica looks a bit different, there's, you know, there's art style-wise, but he is just... Oh, oh, wait, wait, but I think she... There's elements, yeah. Yeah, like sort of on the first page, I think it is... You sort of get features, but um. I mean, it's interesting as well because you say you know the purple mountain is gone and everything. So uh, people who have never read the comic before, yeah, people who have just seen the TV show can probably dive straight into this just as easily as people who've read the comic. Well, that, before. that's pretty much where I'm at. Like, I this is the first comic I've ever read of Jessica Jones, but what's interesting is on the back page there's a like a letter page from um Kelly Thompson, and she actually wrote that how. Um, Brian Michael Bendis actually messaged her on Twitter asking to call her because obviously he was the one that um, sort of he was the creator creator thank you um, and he wanted her to write it so he got in touch through Twitter and that that's where it all sort of sort of went from there and so which and I mean I guess significantly uh, this is the first time that anyone but Brian Michael Bendis has written Jessica Jones in her own book yeah so Obviously, I, I'm probably going to look at sort of old stuff that Brian has written because this is good 
like for first issue i really enjoyed it and i would like to know the character a little bit more so i'll probably will go back i think the first book was alias and i think correct me if i mean it's actually it's quite scary to think about but i think that was 20 years ago jeez i think it's really as long as that i think so i think it's i think it was like yeah it was like 2000 maybe 1999 jeez thinking 2000 is like 20 years ago is 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 a scary thought because like it feels just like yesterday 2001 yeah jeez 19 years ago excuse me um so the round park and luke has seen some kids playing basketball and they're sort of not doing it the way he he would like so he's like i'm going to go play with these <laughs> these little guys and get them teach them properly um and jessica's sitting there watching and then she realizes she has to go back to the office so she's um the next page she's at her door of the office obviously it's now her office not her apartment but it's a a jar and she walks in very cautiously obviously and then all of a sudden she sees a body and obviously sort of is a bit so begins the murder mystery exactly whether it's a well at this point we don't know it's a murder mystery but the well, bad stuff is starting to happen yeah, i mean you can guess it's gonna be her that's implicated when she finds that body and within maybe 30 seconds um the cops are there that scream set up to me it do, it always reminds me of sin city there's always a great line in sin city where marv's like cops they're telling me too much they're telling me that the killer called them because no one except me and the killer would know this body's here very very cool dialogue that's, uh, that's the thing once the cops have sort of told her not to move and to drop her phone it she's on the floor and it even says this whole situation has set up written all over it that there was a great little art detail here i just want to call attention to where you know they're saying drop the phone and she says can i just set it down it's brand new in these screens and they're like drop it all right then and you actually see the phone move from one frame to the next and then it's lying on the ground <laughs> cracked <laughs> uh, just whenever you're talking about art detail uh matea De Julius is that that art is fantastic. Yeah, uh, it's it's lovely. I mean the, the the depth of color in it as well. The 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 line work and the inking it it just is fantastic. And the a lot of it is in the detail because Jessica's mind as a trained private investigator is drawn to details. So sometimes they they spotlight they spotlight the details almost as if they're uh, what do you call like handicam photographs like um yeah like polaroids and stacks photo yeah uh, polaroids yeah polaroids polaroids Jeez, showing your age there uh-huh. <laughs> what's a polaroid <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on this is the second time we're out <laughs> yeah i love that too i love the layout of it um there's a couple of pages like that i think there's one the detective is interviewing her and then later on there's one one where she's talking to a girl and she's sort of looking at her and it all just goes, the Polaroids or insects just goes down. It's really cool, really cool. And I love the layout of the book too. Um, there's some nice nine panels, nine panel pages Do there, like Alan. a good nine panel page. Well, that's the thing. And it is obviously, she's been arrested. Well, she's been arrested, but she's not been charged. Um she hasn't been had the detectives come in and interview her yet, so she's been sitting there for hours and. And like, she's been sitting there in the handcuffs, which I mean. She could have broken. She could have broken at any time. Yeah, and they know that, and because they even said the, um, on the page like the police officers that are arresting her, they were like, "You've got powers, so don't try anything." So they obviously know who she is, and and then, 
like they were saying with the Polaroids, she's sus- as soon as the detectives come in, she's sussing them out straight away. Because obviously, like Keith was saying, that's her, how her mind works. So she's sort of noticing how the dry cleaning of the lead detective's like suit needs d- done. Um, like the other one has got the shaving nick. Then go down, it's like um, not wearing a wedding band, and and just like. Uh, chewed fingernails so it's mm-hmm. sort of she's picking up on these small details that a normal person probably wouldn't like so and then <laughs> there's one you see his tie and there's like there's like sprinkles on it and she's like mm, sprinkles on the tie is that uh, cocaine or uh, or, or, or sugar <laughs> and she's like sugar donuts <laughs> so obviously the nine panel structure as what he was just saying um, which a particular favourite of mine exactly and I think there's one part she says about how she could easily have broken the cuffs, but she hasn't. And then she's asking about who the girl was because she doesn't. She didn't get a chance to look at her. And then they hand her the folder, which has the picture. And then she recognizes the the girl straight away. It was a, a case that she had. Like a, a bunch years. of years ago, yeah. I think it was about well, six years ago. I think that's ago. interesting there because they're interviewing her, but she's effectively interviewing them because she has no information. Because they did wheel her away from the scene straight away, so it's it, she does almost uh, reverse it on them straight away, which is uh, pretty cool. And then going to the obviously the girl that um, was a previous case, it was a girl that um, knew her boyfriend or had suspicions that her boyfriend was cheating on her, but um, she wanted Jessica to get the proof so she could essentially leave him. Um, but Jessica got the proof but she never resolved the case because she just disappeared off the face yeah, of the earth. Yeah, never, she never heard from the, the client again. No. And then... Um, and all In the next page, you've got... Obviously, this figure comes into the frame, and it's Matt Murdoch. Oh, yes, this is when this book picked <laughs> up for me. Obviously, the, these... Red glasses. These... um All these sort of... Characters all interlocked, so it was nice to see Matt come into it, and... Sort of, he was like, "Are we going to take these cuffs off?" And she's like, "Thank Christ!" And she breaks them straight away in front of the cops to say, "Could have done this any time." Yep, but out of respect and out of trying to stay out of trouble, she doesn't. So it's nice. Great dialogue. It's like, so why does it work when you say charge her, her let her go, but when I said it doesn't work, I said fancy. (laughs) (laughs) So Jessica goes back to. after calling Luke, she goes back to her office to try and find the files of um, the girl and to find out what actually happened. And obviously there's the outline of the body on her floor and she's like, that's great. Obviously, just because she's got it clean. But then she goes to a filing ca- uh, cabinet, which I believe has been blown up at some point. Yeah, her office was sort of destroyed at, at some point. I can't remember when. Yeah, because yeah, it's badly damaged and a bit rusted and the files that she pulls out it's a bit burnt on the on the edges of the pages which is a bit sort of old school sort of like old um yeah, good, paper. Li- good little rant there yeah, about, about the, the cloud. cloud yeah that's funny because i had this conversation at the weekend <laughs> you know, but she's like yeah so the cloud that's like storing your files on someone else's server that sounds secure um <laughs> <laughs> And then, so she's looking at the file and she's like, 
Dice Lone was the rare client who actually did want me to discover her boyfriend was a dirtbag. She suspected he was. She thought she needed something to push her over the edge. She thought that would be me, would be it. I doubted that would be make a difference, but I never got the chance to, fi- to find out. And then she goes on. She feels like she's blamed herself for the reason why she's died because she's like, I failed her. It could have very well be why she's dead today. I can't bring her back and I'll just have to live with that guilt. So basically she's she's trying to work out why she's died in, in her apartment and she wants to find the um sort of the just cause. And then it goes it jumps forward like a couple of several hours again and she's still at the office but she's fallen asleep. She looks at her phone, she realizes that Luke's called her several times. So she goes to the bathroom to try and wake herself up to um, make her way home. And then she hears a noise and she's like, she thinks it might be Luke. So she goes to obviously investigate. And then she's like, did and I And that leads to a very intriguing ending, which we will not spoil. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a spoiler. But yeah, it's a very good book. And I definitely recommend it. And I'm very much looking forward to the next one. Of how it ended yeah for sure I mean uh, I, uh, you were sort of ranting about this one as well Alan yeah um, I thought this was awesome I mean I, I'm a sucker for detective noir stuff I mean even when it comes to the Marvel TV shows I think Jessica Jones is the best of them because I love that noir sensibility mm. um, and I thought this was a great start I love that other members um, just dipped in and out as well I thought it was great Other you Marvel know, Knights absolutely I mean you know Luke Cage obviously being her husband at this point but then having Matt just come in for two pages and then leave again all that kind of stuff but it sets up a really intriguing mystery and it, it even gives you know the last page what happens obviously again we won't spoil it but what happens actually gives a little bit of extra meaning to the title of the book as well Blind Spot because you know it's something we as the reader don't see coming and certainly something Jessica doesn't see coming so yeah. yeah, so is it an ongoing? It's just, a, a I believe it's a six-issue mini. Um, ah, I thought it was an ongoing. No, the, the thing is, there was a book produced a couple of years ago, Jessica Jones' Blind Spot, and it was an original graphic novel. And I think, and it was the same creators, so I think what it actually is, is this is an adaptation of it, but they might be fleshing it out a little bit. Right. Um, because that original graphic, I think, is only about four issues worth. But I believe this is six issues, but maybe it's a case of testing the waters. You know, Roddy and I were chatting about this earlier with indie books. A lot of things get announced as six issues, but then if they're doing well, suddenly a second volume comes out or a mm. third volume or promoted the ongoing. Isn't that what happened with Once in Future? Once in Future. It's what happened with Folklords. It's what happened with Something is Killing the Children. It's what happened <laughs> with so many. Um, even Second Comings, another one, a, a smaller book, but again, it's done well enough that there's a, a second volume on the way. So, Middle uh, West as well. Um, Middle West I'm not too sure whether it was always going to be an ongoing or not but either way it can run for 100 issues and be, I'd be happy uh, so yeah so that was uh, Vicky's pick this week that was Jessica Jones at number one uh, by Kelly Thompson and Mattia De Ulius. and yeah that was a wonderful title so from one lady of Marvel to another uh, yeah uh, my pick this week is Jane Foster Valkyrie number seven so I've mentioned this book before. I've mentioned it's probably the best book that you're not reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven issues in and you're still not reading it. And I'm glad you listened to me. Well, it's okay <laughs> because the uh, the trade is out for this week, Fantastic. which is the first six issues. Uh, uh, 
first six or the first seven? I think it's the first six, and then seven's the jumping on point for people. Oh, interesting, because uh, seven mm. is the end of an arc. Mm, let me let me do some digging while you um, chat about that. So this has been co-written by Al Ewing and Jason Aaron, which is another reason to, to grab it. Uh, this particular issue art is by uh, Per Perez, so... This is the Portuguese artist I was thinking about. <laughs> uh, looks lovely, um, and it is the the end of the the end of this this arc. It's not the first arc; it's the second arc. Uh, it was a two part arc called Strange Aeons. Um, oh, right, okay. So the graphic novel could be first five. Then? Could be yeah. first five, but so what's significant about number seven is that this is Al Ewing's last issue on it. Well, so I, I can confirm that the trip paperback is issues one to five and material for more of the realms Omega. Okay, all right. Um, so uh, since War of the Realms, Jane Foster has taken the role as the the last Valkyrie. Previously, Jane was uh, Thor herself. Uh, she's uh, she's a cancer survivor. She's uh, you know she's a, a doctor. Um, you know, and she's been been a constant in in the the Thor titles really since since near enough the beginning. You know, and she's been a, a, a diplomat representing Earth in the in the uh, conclave of worlds you know, conclave of realms uh with you know with as guardians and dark elves and all that good stuff but um in this book uh due to her unexplained absences from the hospital where she works jane has been demoted to working in the morgue with this guy uh dr rudy gillespie uh, and he's a, he's a wee bit of a an eccentric uh you know he, he works around dead people uh all the time um but this has turned out to be a wee bit of a, a, a blessing because whenever a, a corpse sort of rises again to pass on a warning to Jane that death herself is dying, uh, Rudy, who is clever enough to have guessed Jane's identity, gives her free reign to investigate. Um, so in the last issue, Valkyrie went ahead and enlisted Doctor Strange, um, another doctor uh, of, of the... Of you know, as we as we well know, the uh, surgeon supreme, the surgeon supreme, yes, and and Mark Wade's latest latest book, which was also fantastic, by the way, uh, to, to treat to treat death, um, with the assistance of uh, an old flame of Doctor Strange, Night Nurse, uh, they pulled in they pulled together like a team of of uh, super heroic uh, medics, um, cardiac, uh, Faisal Hussein, and uh, Mannequin, who was a character who I didn't know. Uh, and the party journey, journeyed to a, uh, a portal through a portal to Death Realm, uh, where they found the manifestation of Death's illness uh, crackling with power as it hovered over Death's decaying castle. So, uh, this was the second part of this, and it was just it was a great uh, it was a great story. Um, you know the what they really what they really explored was the you know what happens when Death dies. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, Everyone becomes immortal. Well, whenever no one else can die, whenever. Uh, you know, is that is that a positive thing or is that a negative thing? And we've we've sort of explored this a wee bit. Um, whenever we were talking about old guard, mm-hmm. I mean, is it is it mortality that gives that gives life meaning? Um, Everything comes back to Highlander. Oh, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> you know. So, uh, and you know who who is the death of death? Um, and they've got this really interesting dead version of the living tribunal. Um, because death is a an anthropomorphic personification of of death, uh, and what is it that's killing death and all this sort of stuff. So, so um, yeah, this range of, of of characters sort of explores this realm and and tries to break into death's castle and uh, and 
the it's a it's a the realm they're in is a realm of metaphor and thought, you know. So so things that they think they expect to face become uh, physical in front of them, and problems that they expect to face uh, through a I guess through a, a medical lens become become real in front of them, you know. And uh, at one stage they meet they meet the ferryman, um, you know, who who would normally through various classical stories would escort the dead across the river Stikes or the river, you know, but, uh, the, uh, this is another, um, type of ferryman and, uh, and cardiac notices that the river is a river of pus, uh, and all this sort of stuff. Um, and that, uh, whenever, uh, Valkyrie looks at the ferryman with her true sight, she sees a, like a, a virus, uh, and all this sort of stuff. It's really, really cool. Um, That's a class reveal because you turn the page to see that. Yeah, you see, really you like see, that. you see Valkyries. So the 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 way the the page is set up, and then you see it through through Valkyrie's vision, and uh, it's kind of cool. You know her her death vision. So it's mm-hmm. calling out for an acetate uh, cover right there. Yeah, <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, DC territory there, isn't it? But uh, this this. This ferryman says that healing always has a cost. The price to cross my river is high, but one of you must pay it. Who shall it be? And uh, Faiza Hussein steps forward. She's the wielder of Excalibur. Uh, she has been... Uh, it was the Black Knight she took over from. Uh, she took it and she says... Uh, you know, she picks takes Excalibur and she launches it into the... You know, she stabs it into the, the river of pus. And uh, Hussein is... She's British. She's a she's a British Muslim, uh, and she's also a doctor uh, in Britain. She says uh, she says uh, you know Doctor Doctor Strange says Doctor Hussein no this is a magical bargain the price he speaks of maybe your life or worse. She says nah see this is Excalibur and I'm not just a doctor I'm a National Health Service doctor so unlike you lot my healing is free at the point of delivery. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just... But it won't be for long. <laughs> it's, I mean, when mannequins stand in the background going, uh, I'm from Canada, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and uh, and as it, Dr. Strange says, hmm, every taxpayer in Britain just felt a noticeable, barely noticeable twinge in their little toe. Interesting. You know, and uh, Pfizer says, yeah, bad news is I have, I have to pull very long shifts. I can feel the disease fighting back. Uh, so I'm going to stay here and sort of hold it off you know but uh, i thought that was lovely al ewing obviously being a brit uh, you know was clearly making a point here he's had a few of those hasn't he yeah he's, he's yeah, uh, every time you talk about it this this book i feel like you mentioned something yeah, like that yeah he's exactly maybe that's why he's leaving the book yeah. <laughs> well um I, I just thought it was uh it was fantastic and i thought it was fantastic that we just the we the wee notion that you know at this particular time you know you have a you have a a, a british muslim doctor wielding Excalibur, <laughs> you know, the, as we know from Once in Future, the, the, the epitome of British weaponry, you know, in the, in the name of the National Health Service. But um, the doctors, the various, the various doctors here, and Cardiac's one who, who I really like. I first, uh, first ran into Cardiac uh, in a Spider-Man book back in the late 80s. Um, he's an interesting character. But uh, they all have various experiences of how, how death has affected them. Um, and uh, you know, Jane Foster, for example, sees the death of her uh, of her husband and child uh, in, a, in a car crash, which which happened years ago. Um, but uh, 
one of the doctors can't quite handle the metaphorical nature of the whole thing and uh, it all goes a wee bit uh, pear-shaped somewhere along the line. Um, variously, the doctors are, are picked off as we move towards death and finally we're, uh, we're left with, with Jane uh, being the, the lone uh, superheroic uh, doctor who's able to enter uh, death's, death's chamber. And really, it's a, it becomes more of a, a debate or an argument with, uh, with this uh, anthropomorphic version of the death of death. Uh, and really sort of uh, her convincing this figure that uh, that death is necessary, that death needs to be healed, that death can't die. Um, and th- there's a couple of wee references here that that kind of remind, they, 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 they nodded back towards uh, the Immortal Hulk, actually, uh, Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk. There's a mention of the green door swinging open. Uh, and there's also, do you remember Immortal Hulk twenty five had the had the pod at the end of it that this, I remember a lot of things yeah, about yeah, Immortal yeah. Hulk twenty five. Um, and it says a pod grows new life and death is without meaning. You know, there's there's this there's this pod. Uh, so it, it, it's it's mentioned there, but uh, it's a lovely. There's a lovely uh, page here where you see the various iterations of Jane Foster, Jane Foster the the Doctor, Jane Foster the Valkyrie, Jane Foster the the cancer survivor, um, you know, and, uh, you know, she says the end of pain and fear and sorrow, these are things to strive for through all her days, the end of death. I don't think that necessarily means life. Uh, is that, is that good enough after all this? Are you convinced? Yes. And, uh, you know, so the, the argument obviously is, um, you know, is, is interesting and in, in trying to reanimate death and heal death. But, uh, it's kind of interesting because Jane's a Valkyrie and the Valkyrie, the nature of the Valkyrie is that the Valkyrie leads leads people to their afterlife, you know, and... Uh, Which in Norse mythology is maybe viewed as more of a positive thing than yeah, we, we in that. the West view it. Yeah, um, you know, death says, that the personification of death says, I'm healed. It has been decided the process of death will continue. This plane will not transition to a cancerverse. The death of death was convinced of the need of my existence, are you? And uh, Jane just says, mm, of course not, but ours is not the reason why, is it, boss? <laughs> you know, she refers to death as her as her boss. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a great great story. But the the real the real topper of this is that Al Ewing is leaving uh, is leaving uh, the book, taking over Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's still Mr. on Donny the Mortal Hulk, you know. And uh, but uh, you know. They announced that uh, taking over the next issue is Jason's new co-writer is uh, Torun Granbeck, who's an extremely talented writer and born and bred Norwegian. Uh, But before parting, uh, Al had to put together a guide for Torun and Jason on how to write Mr. Horse's accent. Because because he'd been told that, we told him that he, they, they told him that he couldn't give Mr. Horse you know, a, a Yorkshire accent unless they knew how to write it. So so <laughs> Al Ewing has written a How to Horse, a guide to phonetic Yorkshire. <laughs> he says, Mr. Horse speaks with a Yorkshire accent. Sean Bean is my go-to. His native accent is a little mild, but he's a good voice to keep in the head. There's a method to this madness. Yorkshire has strong roots with the Vikings. Uh, took a, take a look at a BBC video on the Yorkshire dialect from their Story of English series. He leaves a glossary, you know, about how to use the tea properly in the Yorkshire accent, as in, there's trouble at Tamil, 
Atmel. <laughs> you know, uh, how to use, uh, probably use the or the. Uh, how to, uh, uh, you know, how to use a up properly. How to use I properly. How to use out and out properly. You know, so it's really, it's really fantastic. Um, My dream is to write a Belfast-based one for somebody else to come along and and take over one of my books and just be like, "Here's a guide to Belfast." Would you be able to Belfast. let one of your books go yeah. though? If, so, the pri- if the price is right, Alan. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, really enjoyed this uh, next issue. It looks like we have uh, we have uh, Valkyrie teaming up with brand new Thor. Uh, of Donny Cates' uh, latest number one. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, that sounds brilliant. I have really enjoyed this book uh, right up to now, and I'm going to continue enjoying it. Uh, interested to see what it's like with uh, so with Ewing off. and uh, Jason Aaron sticking. Jason Aaron is, is sticking, yeah. I actually, funny you should mention Torrin Gronbeck. I actually saw a tweet. The very boy, yeah. Uh, woman. The very lady. Yeah, the very lady. <laughs> um, I saw a tweet from her the other day. Um, she was like, ooh... And I didn't even didn't even twig with me, but um, she put up something like working from Jason Aaron's office today. And if you look at it, it's like heaven, Jason Aaron's office, <laughs> books everywhere. It just looks fantastic. So go check that out. Oh, books and obviously wow. there's a lot Jason of Jason Aaron's office looks like a looks like a wonderful place. Jeez. I would say <laughs> there's a lot of Thor action figures in there, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought that was kind of nifty. Does, is there a, a picture in his office of Keith with a number one fan or <laughs> <laughs> Um and apparently Torrin's name means uh, literally means to love Thor. <laughs> there you are. See, cool. I'll look forward to reading Jim Foster Valkyrie when I read the 7 years worth of Jason Aaron Thor and then that follows it. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I would I would say that that in reading that you'll see the progression of the character yeah. through, and obviously there's the the Jane Foster years as Thor as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and um, the, then the progression then to to Valkyrie. Yeah. So there is because you do speak very very highly of it. I'm sure I will get to it. The second complete collection of Jason Aaron's Thor is out next week. So I will be getting volume two. And well, I mean, it's it's interesting because we're talking about Jessica Jones, who was you know you. It can be difficult to introduce new characters to an ongoing continuity, you know. To yeah. so, new characters don't come around very often in Marvel and DC, especially, you know. And just even thinking that Jessica Jones was introduced twenty years ago and is still around and is now an intrinsic part of the the Marvel universe. I don't know. I think there's a there's a fair chance that maybe maybe uh, Jane Foster could stick around as as Valkyrie for for a fair chunk of time, especially with with someone like Jason Aaron continuing to. Well, foster her well it's so nice pun uh well this is jason aaron's way of leaving thor but not really leaving thor <laughs> well yeah yeah <laughs> making sure you can still dip his toe into that world uh yeah so, yeah that's me so uh, that was jim foster valkyrie number seven uh well we may as well finish it off with a hat trick of marvel uh what have you got there mr mccants yeah um sorry indie fans um I'm, i've been on a bit of a marvel kick recently um not a thing wrong with that <laughs> Letting letting my, Sitting too my close side to Keith down all the here. Time, you know? I got. I mean, I've got a lot of a lot of Indian in my pile this week, so we're just we're just okay. swapping responsibilities. Yeah, that's it. Um, well, it's it's quite funny actually. Um, the title I've got. You mentioned something really interesting about Jane Foster. Um, that the last couple of pages were a debate, and for this title, Iron Man twenty twenty, I certainly felt something similar. 
there is a very interesting debate about AI and mm. um, AI's potential. That uh, has been a bit of an ongoing debate in Dan Slott's, in Dan Slott's uh, Tony Stark Thor book, um, really since the start of it. Um, it was Iron Man book. Yeah, Jesus, I'm Thor in the brain. Um, yeah, that'd be sorry. interesting. Tony what Stark. Did, what did I say? Don Dan Slott. Sorry, Tony Stark Iron Man book. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm away with. Um, I don't think that's a book anyone wants to read. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, re re engage brain. So it's been an ongoing debate the whole AI thing because uh, some time ago, Tony Stark rebooted his uh, through through. Um, I guess biohacking. Tony Stark rebooted his own body. Uh, yeah, he rebooted his own body, and uh, um, there was a Jesus. It was back whenever Norman Osborn was still in charge of Hammer after Dark Reign and all of that stuff. He was chasing Tony Stark because a thing, and uh, Tony Stark downloaded or uploaded a version of his brain in order that that Norman couldn't get a hold of his secrets, and then eventually rebooted his body and downloaded his knowledge back into his personality, which was... So it suddenly... Tony has started to question whether or not he is actually Tony Stark or just a biological copy with a backup personality, which effectively makes him an AI of of Tony Stark. Um, So that has been where that argument has started. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the, the dance slot book which is now either finished or on hiatus for this ended with with tony effectively admitting that he was after the um the ultron agenda story effectively admitting that he was not tony stark he was an ai and then everything moved in and tony was removed as the head of stark international and his company was shut down and Biantronics took a took a hold of this and part of Biantronics was tony's Half brother, uh, Arno Stark, who mm-hmm. back in the day, uh, in, a, in another iteration, was previously Iron Man twenty twenty, and of course it's now twenty twenty. Yeah, indeed. Um, so going into this book, I knew pretty much none of that. You knew all of that, yeah. yeah. Um, so anything I mess up here, I'm gonna defer to Keith. But there's a really, really interesting timeline in the back of the book. So this that was it's on it gives you a timeline of Arno Stark Arno Stark himself um going from Iron Man number eleven back in two thousand thirteen all the way through Civil War two. And then there's a there's a Tony Stark timeline below. Yeah. It's really um, yeah, yeah, really interesting. Um but yeah, so I mean I think the just to 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 bottom line that, um Arno Stark, as it turns out, is the son of Howard and Maria Stark. Um, and he was born um, with with uh, critical birth defects at a time and has spent most of his life living uh, in isolation in an iron lung, effectively. Mm. Uh, Tony, it turns out, was the backup child, uh, <laughs> was adopted by Howard and Maria Stark, and he is not actually their son uh, biologically. So, uh, and that has been... That that that's been sort of common knowledge since you know the past ten years really. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, have they ever revealed what his original name was? Uh, no, but his mother uh, is a shield agent and a rock star. Was that an international Iron Man? 
That was a run yeah, I started reading a little while be, back, be, and I um, found it very interesting, actually. Yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good story, but uh, yeah, a lot a lot a lot has gone I on. Like Iron Man, sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you'd like this, Alan. I know you um, your hatred for Iron Man is well known, but I thought this this book really just grabbed me. Um, so Dan Slott takes up the reins again, but he's joined by Christos Gage um, as the writers, and then. Pete Woods on art, and I think he does the colors as well. And then the letterer is Joe Caramagna. Um, first of all, what really grabbed me about the book is Pete Woods' art. Um, I absolutely adored it. Thought it was brilliant. He really and he gets to do so much within the book. So he's got obviously he starts off with Arno Stark. Um, he gets to draw like a cool amount of amazing Iron Man. And of course you have the Iron Man with the cogs. The big, the big cog shoulder pads. He looks very weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, is that, is that something that was, it was the eighties, the original was, one, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So this, the eighties shoulder pads, <laughs> Iron Man 2020 was a story in the eighties by, uh, yeah. Herb Trimp. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else, um, apologize for forgetting their names. Quite all right. But yeah, um, Really enjoyable book. I loved Pete Woods is a fantastic artist. I love art has a it's got a sniff of manga about it. It's got a wee bit of a CGI look about it. Um, mm. It's kind of and uh, well consider Magna, Mag, Magna, manga and all robots and artificial yeah, intelligence. Yeah. There's definitely something there. I bit mean, of the, Blade Runner with the rain. The 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 crux of the story is that Arno knows that there's a like some sort of uh, global uh, cosmic AI threat coming, uh, and uh, he knows that uh, whenever it gets here, it's going to take over all the robots. And there, since the whole Ultron storyline and Dan Slott's Tony Stark Iron Man, not Thor, <laughs> um, there's been a robot uprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, and ro- robot rights are a real sort of issue. You know, and this was building all throughout. Yeah, yeah, the dance the last, run. Yeah, throughout yeah. the last was it nineteen issues or whatever it was. Um, and it involved uh, uh, Jocasta and Machine Man and 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 uh, such, and involved Friday. You know, Tony Stark's AI uh, helper, mm-hmm. hologrammatic helper, and you know there was an issue then whenever Tony had a used and had to had to downgrade the armor he was using, and he uploaded. Friday into it and then there was an issue because that was against her AI rights to be treated like that and uploaded into you know so it was it was a whole thing um, but this robot uprising Arno Stark is going well that's what this is about this robot uprising as soon as this cosmic AI arrives he's going to take over all the robots and he'll have his ready made army so it's up to me to make sure that doesn't happen so that's his mission I think in Iron Man 2020 yeah is to you know so and uh, to be honest the thing I really liked about it is that He's a complete, he's a bit of a prick. Yeah, so we've yeah. got like superior <laughs> Iron Man. He's, um, arguably, there's no right and wrong in it. There's multiple sides, but he's, you get his narration and it doesn't come from a very good place. And then there's a lot of, he has a dialogue. Basically, he, he sort of interrupts. There's workers that are protecting the robots um, or the AI, should I should say. And then... They don't like to be called robots. No. <laughs> but he basically blows up an artificial intelligence worker and he's he says to the human, he's like, you, sir, are you okay? And the guy's like, you blew his head off. 
and then Orno is just like, oh, it's just Gears and Circus. Remember, they're not like us and all this. So you get you get a really good insight into where he's coming from. I think I think Alan's going to read this and go come back Tony Stark. All is forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff with um, there's news reporters going on and be like. Oh, speaking of replacements, it's Arno Stark. So there's a lot of stuff that blends into his psyche, sort of questioning if he really should be the Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Whereas Tony is just Tony's just an just an AI. So like, is he really qualified to be Iron Man? But is like, this apparently guy... he's not even qualified to be yeah. human. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, um, story goes. Story kind of blends in between, and is it? Um, so Stark's Stark set up Stark Unlimited, I want to say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that business sort of gets d dissolved by I can't remember that. Uh, it's uh, Sunset Bean. Sunset Bean is a is a constant. Uh, like Justin Hammer is a, a constant competitor and has been a constant competitor mm -hmm. of of Stark International and Stark Unlimited for so long. Uh, but it seems like they've had their tendrils into Stark Unlimited for quite some time. I mean, the, the character of Dr. Shapiro was a cat. Mm -hmm. Where's this collar, apparently, to talk? You know, it was a super intelligent cat. And uh, what Bean, what Sunset Bean sort of reveals in this is that it's not at all. It's the collar is the AI and the cat's just wearing it and they're making yeah. out, like, you know. <laughs> so it's, you're just like, what? So it was like a nice week. Yeah, there's quite quite a lot of good humor in it too. There's I like the part with the cats, um, but there's also a really funny bit where um, an AI guy um, gives gives Arno the finger, and then it's uh, it's blurred and with a censored thing over it. <laughs> yeah, um, really enjoyable book. Um, I thought I had quite a lot to say. You know, um, going closer to our modern world, and there's a bit at the end which I will probably not spoil for you. Um, but yeah, there's God, you know, for a, for a show with the spoiler warning, we're very good. Yeah, we're very good well, like, <laughs> I think I think I tend to think if we talk about it enough, you probably want to read it, and then so maybe you know the last the last page you shouldn't spoil that for someone. Yeah, I think you're probably I think but, you're probably right, but I mean, there's something that has sort of tweaked me a wee bit um, about this, and that was if I remember rightly, whenever Tony rebooted his own body he also because um Rhodey had been killed at the start of civil war ii he also resurrected and rebooted Rhodey in the same way mm. so mm. i don't know why they're not going here Rhodey's an ai and you know in a rebuilt body as well so i don't know i mean uh, yeah it's kind of it's interesting i know Rhodey is going to be appearing in force works um which is one of the iron man 2020 titles so yeah do you know what else Kind of twig me a bit in the Iron Man twenty twenty checklist. We've got uh, we've got Iron Man twenty twenty, which is how many issues? That's six. Six. We've got Machine Man and Force Works and Rescue and Iron Edge and Iron, uh, Heart. Iron Heart. Does that say I Wolverine? Second from the bottom. It mm -hmm. says it says yep. Wolverine number one is what it says. No, it's I Wolverine. I Wolverine. Like Iron Man. And then there's... Oh, it does. Sorry, I thought that number was... Number one and two. Right. So that I thought that's quite interesting. Ooh. But we we originally thought it was Wolverine number one. Mm. But some good... You've good, corrected good us there, Alan, there from a distance. Uh, now, that, <laughs> that maybe makes sense. Um, there is a character in uh, X-Men lore called Albert. He is a robotic version of Wolverine. 
Ooh. an AI version of Wolverine. Um, very often paired with a with a little girl called LCD. Uh, so maybe maybe there's a link between Albert and I Wolverine. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. We're going to link somehow to X-Men and how they are consistently resurrected <laughs> and not particularly originals anymore now that they are organically yeah. grown beings who then have the memories and personality implanted into them. So I wonder if it'll... Interesting. It's actually quite funny. That's a, It's actually a very comparable storyline. Yeah. Only... Mm, interesting, yeah, Biological. Yeah. But I wonder, uh, will I Wolverine be owned by Apple? <laughs> <laughs> that means Keith's not going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know Apple have probably trademarked that name somewhere along the line oh, so, I'd say so. Well, I would but say with the buying power of Disney behind them I think Marvel yeah. will be okay but yeah, yeah um, just one of the things I really noticed about it is I think I said it before but I think one of the strengths with Marvel is like I can just pick this up and it was the same with um, first issue of Absolute Carnage I just picked it up and I was like I don't really know the history here I don't know what's going on but you can follow along yeah. and you can be engaged in the story with it without necessarily knowing the prior things and outs, you know. I so I think they should have put a wee panel on the front saying, here, uh, check out the timeline in the back before you start reading. Mm, yep. Yeah. Because mm. I, I didn't see it until the end. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. So. yeah. Good book. Uh, looking forward to the rest. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I would say, I would just to jump on that point quickly, I think that is something Marvel have been good at in the last definitely in the last year and a half to two years because you know you were able to jump on the house and pars without knowing anything about the x-men you were able to jump on the absolute carnage without knowing anything about carnage um I, the only thing i would say with this book certainly is that it may confuse people who have only really seen the movies because they may go who's arno stark and where's tony sort of thing yeah, you know but yeah. at the same time obviously you gain that knowledge over it but uh, no, that's that's what any number one should be, whether it's DC, Marvel or, or an independent title. It should be instantly accessible and it should treat the reader like this is their first ever comic for this character. Yeah. Otherwise, it's failed because not everybody reads everything leading up to it. You know? But then yeah. you're you're stuck in the dichotomy of, of having to not have people who have been reading the book or mm -hmm. are familiar going, well, this is money wasted on yeah. these pages because... Yeah, you know, so yeah. you're you're stuck there, you know. Yeah, that's it. You gotta you gotta toe that line, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I think this I think this does a good job, and I think the proof is in the pudding because Roddy's satisfied and I'm satisfied, and I have no inclination <laughs> to read it. Uh, <laughs> tell me, tell me this: how did it do in the store? Because it, it, I believe it is Marvel's first big event of the year. If you um, Venom it, Island sort of cross both, both, it's definitely years, a lower key event in comparison to their last couple. It's it's doing okay. There's there's a few people. There's more people with this on their pull list than had Tony Stark Iron Man on their pull list. So obviously people are wanting maybe a jumping on point. It's not quite at the numbers of Absolute Carnage or House or Powers. Those were monster hits for the store, and that, I think that, the comics were in that general. Tracks, that tracks, doesn't it? That, yeah. Sort of, yeah. So it's uh, but no, it's it's doing okay. I'll just I'll be curious to see who picks up everything you know because mm. there is quite a lot there you know there, there, there looks There's to be a good, good 50 good 15 titles good there? 20 yeah. i'd say a good 20 titles there yeah. I mean, and I'm, that i wolverine one i've known nothing about i'm going to pick up uh the core title i'm going to pick up force works because i've always sort of liked force works generally as a as a team but i don't know if i'm going to go rescue i don't think i'm going to go machine man uh, I'm, i'll be interested to see if they do this in the same way as they've done war of the realms you know yeah. where you can pick, you and, can choose. pick and choose and it, it sort of has that that feel you know, it's not as big a, it's not an event as such. It's it's a it's a, it's an in series event rather than a yeah an event I think that's going to cross. 
Well, that's it. I mean, that's where they've been clever with this, I would say. Instead of making it Tony Stark Iron Man number 22 and it being the start of a story, it's like, look, let's just number one it, you know, try and get a few people in on it. So, yeah, cool. What have you got, Alan? So, yeah, that brings it into the uh, the Marvel living. I had to bring things back with a DC title. I've been letting the side down the last few weeks. But I think a lot of that's to do with, I think Marvel have started the year stronger than DC. Uh, I I think DC ended the year very strongly. Lots of big titles, lots of uh, conclusions to storylines, some of which were years in the making. But the start to the new year has definitely been more Marvel-centric in terms of releases. Uh, So it was nice this week to actually have a DC one. (laughs) As I said, I I have a slightly smaller week this week, but this was something I was really looking forward to. This is The Question, The Deaths of Vic Sage, book two of four. First book of this... I picked up, I should say it's on DC Black Label, it's in that stupid size format that Keith loves so much. <laughs> it is a uh, brilliant team on it. You have the, uh, written by Jeff Lemire. Uh, art, it's two different artists doing the one title. One does the pencils, one does the inks. You've got Dennis Cohen on pencils and the legend that is Bill Singovitz on inks. Colors are by Chris Sotomayor and letters by Willie Schubert. The reason I'm Giving a shout out to all of those, uh, all of those creators, is because this is one absolutely gorgeous book, and the one thing I got from reading issue two is suddenly the title actually makes sense to me. The deaths of Vic Sage. The first book was very sort of noir based, quite gritty. This one you can see just by the glorious variant cover by Eduardo Risso, one of my favorite artists who did Hundred Bullets. This is actually a western. Now. One of the things we get asked in the store for all the time is Western comics. I believe you picked one up recently, Keith, with Kill Whitey Donovan. Yeah, I picked book. up the first, first two issues. Um, the second issue was a, was a December title, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So I think I'll maybe be pulling it out, certainly as an honorable mention, maybe whenever the third issue comes out. Yeah, it's... Uh for some reason, just the the genre of the western just it'll never die. You know, it comes no. around cycles. I think I love a good western. Like I always recommend um, "Death Be Damned." Mm-hmm. It was a, like yeah. a boom title know, before yeah. the boom, before the real the boom boom. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, that was by say that three times fast. <laughs> no, say boom boom boom. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a good one. And then I know Keith Keith read. Um, uh, what do you call him? The Lone Ranger. Yeah, so that yeah. was a good mm-hmm. western. Yeah, so. I've read sort of the Lone Ranger stuff on and off over the past few years. Uh, various titles. Yeah, well, basically, at at the end of the issue, one of the question, um, the question supposedly died in the present day, but he actually didn't. It would appear he is not dead. He is merely being thrown all over time. Uh, hence the many deaths of uh, Vixage. With that sort of framing device, I knew I would love this book. It reminds me of a title a few years ago, a Batman one called The Return of Bruce Wayne, which is where Bruce Wayne gets sucked to different time frames. And I'm always really curious to see heroes in different eras and how their skills would apply in those eras. Uh, So I knew I would really, really enjoy this. So as I say, it is set in the 1800s. It's set also in Hub City, which is where the first issue was set. But um, it's a Hub City very much from the past. So we're introduced to a character which immediately might actually throw you a little bit. Uh, It is a blacksmith called Victor Saz. Now, when I first read this, I was thinking, is this Victor Saz as in Batman villain Victor Saz? Uh, It would appear it is not. Um, When Denny O'Neill did the Question series back in the 70s and 80s, um, Vic Sage's birth name was actually Charles Victor Saz. 
But what's interesting is the Zaz is spelled backwards to the Batman villain one. There's even a line in here, uh, which if I can come along to it, uh, <laughs> where uh, he, he helps someone out and he goes, thank you, mister. And he goes, Zaz, Victor Saz, Irvin Booker. This is th- this is one backwards fucking town. You don't mind me saying so, Mr. Zaz. And he goes, backwards world, if you ask me. And his name is Zaz backwards, <laughs> which I just thought was really clever wordplay. But what more do you expect from Jeff Lemire? But yeah, it sort of it explores a sort of dark period in America's history. You know, a very racist old west. It, it kicks off where um, a black man, Irvin Booker, is trying to buy an axe, and the the local seller just won't sell it to him. He's just like, look, get out of my shop. You know, go and fetch the sheriff if you want. You know, he's not going to back you up. So um, Victor actually buys it for him and gives him the axe outside. He's just trying to be a nice guy. But what actually happens is there's then a murder in the Old West, and it's clearly a setup, but it's the same axe that Irvin Booker bought. And then there's suddenly all these white privileged um, witnesses who say, you know, it was the Negro who saw him buy that very axe this morning. And of course, he's saying, I didn't do this, I didn't do this. So they're going to take Irvin to the stocks, and um, Victor helps him down, and they go on the run. Just loads of brilliant old wild west imagery um great gunfights great colors uh easy to follow action but then you get a little bit of uh, supernatural stuff in here as well because they introduce a, a character called the man with a thousand faces and they're linking that back to a villain that was in the first issue as well uh just it's great to read a black label title that is not batman harley quinn joker or superman <laughs> it's something like I just as Roddy was saying about Iron Man 2020. I went into this outside of uh, Rene Montoya's appearances in Lois Lane. I know very little about the question. It's just a character I've never read a lot of. Um, who was it did a good run on the question? Was it Brubaker or was it Rucka? Oh, I don't know. Well, and I like like you. I don't have a I don't have a great working knowledge of. Um of the question, my first question was Montoya yeah. uh, from the 52 and Countdown series uh, back in the day. Um, and Vic Sage appeared in that. He handed over. He, was, he appeared in there somewhere. But yeah, um, but yeah, an interesting character, but one that I'd maybe uh, like to know a wee bit more about. Yeah, I'm really sure Rucka did a decent run. But... Uh as I say, the artwork is uh, as good as the story is, and and the writing is. The artwork for me is the uh, the star here. Just little things like you'll see, like the wisp of the clouds or of smoke, and it'll form a question mark. Um, as you know, Victor, or to give him his full name, is Charlie Victor's as, uh, is being led through um, led through the desert by this uh, white woman who says that he is the man who's going to kill the man with a thousand faces. So there's this big prophecy set up, and. Uh, yeah, just again, I go into it knowing very little about it, but like she's she ends up giving him a cloth mask that he's able to cover his face with, and that gives him the question persona, uh, and then he goes off to sort of fulfill this prophecy, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's yeah, Vicky just pointed out that there's like a water well in the background, it's in the shape of a question mark. There's all these little details, and there's this amazing double page spread when it comes to art wise. This. This is what Black Label's for for me. This looks widescreen and dramatic and awesome. You know, not a, we've talked about it to death, you know, with the Black Label <laughs> stuff. Does it need this size? For a title like Harleen, I think it does. For a title like Killer Smile, I don't think it does. 
But this is just glorious. I would love a print of just that double page spread. That is just pure Western Americana right there. Do you know this book? It reminds me of like all the European comics, the banded SNA things you oh, know, yeah. that are always so big. Um, and I think that's what they should be doing. Like this one, yeah, I totally get you, you know, Killer Smile and it and stuff. But this, oh God, just looking at it and it's sitting in my box. It's a shame I didn't get to read it because it, without even like, reading it it looks like it should be my pick as well <laughs> yes i got it's to just, that it's just so what so you're good. saying is i uh, i withheld your pull list this week just so you wouldn't yeah. steal my pick that's it <laughs> it's no, getting, a, getting up bad. i mean again i wouldn't go any further with spoilers anyway but this is a book again that i think you can jump into i mean you wouldn't even know in a way this is a dc book it just mm-hmm. it feels like an indie book to me well, the thing, even i read it and I and that's a miracle because Getting Vicky to read DC stuff is pretty bloody <laughs> impossible. <laughs> Although in fairness, you also read Wonder Woman Dead Earth I as did, well. I did, yes. But um, I was, like you, I, I don't know anything about the question, so I was a wee bit confused by it. But So once all four issues are out, I'll probably go back and reread them all together mm-hmm. to hopefully um, understand it a bit more because it was a bit sort of... like Obviously, it's gone from in the future in the first book to this one which is in back in the past so it's yeah and then for issue three it's not a spoiler or anything like that because everyone's going to be a different time period but there's another time period set up um for issue three as well so i love this kind of exploration of stuff but even just like you know as weird of a thing as it is to say i know we highlighted on the boom tiles but like the back cover is just you know gloriously rendered and you know the quote from the book and a little bit of a you know, a previously on almost, which is more of a Marvel thing, to be honest. They're very good at doing that in the opening pages. But, uh, yeah, I think this is... It's a real sleeper hit at the moment. It When when it first came out in the store, there's only been a couple of people on it, but the numbers have doubled now for issue two, and now people are coming in going, do you have issue two of that? I heard that was pretty damn great. So, yeah, oh. big, big fan of this. Uh, anything Jeff Lemire writes, I tend to jump on anyway, because... Fantastic writer. I do need to really catch up and get in falls though, which yep. Roddy talks about. I absolutely agree. Over um, and over. Loved it. And I, I read Jeff Lemire's uh, Sentient mm-hmm. by TKO Books. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. Really, yeah. that was a standout. I think we'll we'll probably do a wee upcoming podcast at some point on the TKO uh, releases. But yeah, Sentient, I've now passed it on to Roddy for him yeah. to read. And it is... I really can't recommend enough the Blade Runner 2049 soundtrack to listen to. Okay. Agreed. Okay. <laughs> Works well, really right. well. Works I, did, really. I didn't get a soundtrack recommendation for the banks. That's because you read it before mm. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, when it comes to uh, to sci-fi, no problem. I can yeah. give you soundtracks forever. Uh, so, yeah. So, that's... Uh, pick. That is my pick, which is uh, The Question, The Deaths of Vic Sage, number two. Uh, you want to go a wee quick round robin with honorable mentions then? Yeah, I mean, I I think so. I mean, there, as you say, uh, for me, it was a slightly quieter week, but there were still some great quality titles. Um, I think we need our customary shout-out to Undiscovered Country, uh, number three, uh, which has easily one of the covers of the week. I love how they keep playing with the American flag in sort of weird and unique ways. But uh, you, we also picked up the variant cover as oh, well. Oh, I have the variant, and the thing about a- the variant... You know, you boys will understand that given the importance of the issue, but this is Mr. Capullo on variant duties. Oh, that's lovely. Oh. And uh, 
this has a, a, a large emphasis on a coin. I wonder mm-hmm. why that is. We're not going to... The, the Infinity Man, isn't it? It is indeed. Infinity We're Man. not going into too much detail on Undiscovered Country because Vicky hasn't read it yet and the joy of this title is very much, mm. you know, this, bad pun, the discovery of what's happening in it. You know? I mean, Snyder, Soul and Cameron Coley. Um, and I mean, they just... You, you sort of know the gist of it. We've, we've, we've talked about it, I guess, the, the, over the past few weeks that uh, a group of... Uh, a group of individuals from from outside is invited into an America that locked itself off some thirty years back, yeah. um, uh, in order to uh, ascertain the the uh, the solution to a virus that is sweeping the rest of the world. Um, and they're an interesting group of characters. And what they find whenever they get in there is absolutely unexpected, both to them and to us. Yeah. Um, but issue three uh, really. Introduces has some great some ideas, fantastic revelations, and some great ideas. And uh, I think this is just settling into uh, a nice. This is where it's where it's going to go, and mm. uh, it's going to continue to blow minds. But there's, there's there's just a lovely premise in here that if you haven't got this, grab the first two issues, and then grab the third issue, and get it in your pull list. Yeah, I mean, it's undiscovered country for us is bigger than some like big DC Marvel pulls. We've more people on Undiscovered Country than on Batman yeah. or Amazing Spider-Man. It's it's a book that has set fire and people are really digging it. And yeah. I think it was at the back of the book. It's not a spoiler, of course, but I think there was a question someone asked Schneider how long it was destined to be. And he said it, the minimum they would do is 30 issues. But given the success. But given the success, they hoped to do the full 50 was what they were sort of aiming yeah. for. So their, their back matter is fantastic yeah, in these books. Every, world building. Every issue, every they're, issue, they're just filling in the timeline of, of how America got to where it is. Um, See, again, it's not spoilers of any kind. No. Because I wouldn't do that. No, but definitely not. My no. favorite part of the back matter is always the quotes from the book, like the made-up book. I really want this book to be real. Um, it is from oh, quote, quote. from uh, the New World and Oral History of the Ceiling. I would love this this to be a uh, real book. Have we got our Dubliner back? Uh, no, we have. <laughs> well, we do have Jerry, Jerry Nolan, uh, 65, Milan. My husband and I were on our honeymoon when the ceiling happened. We thought we'd spend a few nice weeks in Italy, then head back home to Pittsburgh to our apartment and begin our lives together. Didn't work out that way, obviously. We've been in Milan ever since. It could be worse, though. I was originally supposed to meet him a few days later and decided to fly over early as a surprise. If I'd waited, we'd never have seen each other again. It's really... Love this stuff. It's really filling in the 30 years in between. Yeah. The start of this book and, you know, the the, the ceiling. uh, Not ceiling as in roof, ceiling as in ceiling off of of America. Um, But yeah, it's, it's just a fantastic book. It's really, yep. And it's a bit destined to be a movie, isn't that right? Yeah, I believe it was a movie even before they did the first mm. issue. Well, the first issue came out, and I believe Schneider and Soul are writing the script for it as well. So, uh, yeah, as a big, big fan of that, have I have you to got say. any honourable mentions, Vicky? Oh, I wouldn't say it's an honourable mention, but um, it's... I think it's something worth talking about because you've been with this title from the very beginning, and it's went through many transformations, many creative teams, and you're still on it. I'm still on it. It's on issue 12. It's Hit Girl. Um, and because it was, it's volume two, I guess. It started out because it was um, Kevin Smith started the first sort of run. Yeah, it was like Hit Girl Goes to Hollywood. Yeah. Hit so Girl season two, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's the one. So it's um, it's issue 12. So it's the end of part, it's part four of um, the India run. Because I think it was Hollywood and I'm trying to think. Was it Rome after that? 
then it went then she went to Rome and now she's in India and like I normally love Hit Girl and but the art style for this four um sort of like mini series part of it is sort of it's a bit jarring. It's not the usual clean sort of um sort of like lines. It's just a bit scatty for me. And I don't know if that's just my pers- my taste and I just I agree with you. No clean lines. Keith's <laughs> <laughs> a big fan of clean lines. But it's just sort of there's a the colour of it would be nice if it was just sort of all just simple. I don't know if I'm just so used to obviously Fiona Staples, her art style on Saga is just it's simple, it's straight lines, it's the colour like is allowed to do its thing. Whereas this it's like colours like like melding into each other and it's very I remember you gave me the was it the first one? The Kevin, Kevin yeah. Smith one? Yeah. And it's looking at it it's complete I like I think it's gorgeous to look at but i know what you mean um, it's completely different i from think with hit girl you want something cartoony and larger than life and yeah that this looks quite realistic it's quite serious and it's sort of and like you say hit girl and it girl not it girl um kick ass was sort of they're just simple books that you just want to see ass kicking and sort of seeing the bad guy lose and that's what um the bad guy loses in this, but it's not sort of... Spoilers. I thought this was a spoiler <laughs> film. <zone. laughs> We're allowed to spoil him here. It's very... I, I love the colours in it. I, it definitely brings India to life. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's not a lot but of room to breathe in those panels. Yeah. That's that's what I mean. Like, sort of... From issue one, one of this part four, I sort of was like, I'm not a fan of it, but I'm a completionist. I can not get the rest of them and sort of... and. And it is only four issues, so I was like, I will get it. And so you are sticking on it. This is the last issue of this. Oh, one okay. Because right. like this is part four, so it's just um, it's Alison Sampson that does the art, and it's just sort of it was a bit jarring for me, and sort of had it been going for longer, I probably would have stepped away from it. So interesting. Well, don't be, because I've already pre-ordered the next few issues for you, so don't <laughs> be stepping away from that anytime soon. Uh, what about yourself, Keith? I see a little bit of 80s love there. Yeah, buddy. Um, so I have got issue three of six of He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse in front of me. So as I say, issue three of six, Tim Seeley and Dan Fraga. Um, first issue of this sort of uh, wasn't what I'd expect that it was going to be, but the, the next two issues have... Uh, have kept on course and the story has me now probably best described as crisis on infinite attorneys or uh into the he-man verse um you know it's get uh, this man a contract for quotes for the trade paperback please it's um so we have uh we have anti-he-man from anti-eternia uh and he's a bad guy he is uh raging across the multiverse uh defeating uh he-man from various from various universes stealing the power sword and the power of Grayskull from those universes and becoming, you know, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate figure of power in, in the multiverse. Uh, and, the, and it's an evil, an evil kind of a power thing. The, 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 our heroes are a group of, uh, surviving He-Men from across the multiverse, including the Dolph Lundgren He-Man from the, the eighties movie, uh, with which the, you don't consider He-Man. Oh no, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> with the, the, the cosmic key given to him by Gwildor, uh, we have He-Man from like he's like a 
like a weird it's like an afternoon special or something like an afternoon it? easter special or a, like a, a mobile game um you know he's a really simply drawn character he's there's always points around him and yeah. stars and stuff uh but <laughs> i mean he and there's um you know that then the, the the key character is before skeletor became skeletor he was prince Keldor. he was uh prince adam's uncle king randor's brother uh and Prince Keldor from the anti universe is the opposite of Skeletor. He's he's not a bad guy. He's uh, He's still Prince Keldor. <laughs> uh, he's not a bad guy. He's, you know, so the the our our He Man, our multiversal He Man, come and recruit him uh, in order to to defeat to try and defeat anti He Man. Um, sounds ridiculous. Absolutely is ridiculous. Um, but it's a really well told story. Uh, it's. Uh, that 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 strange little He Man, uh, from the mobile game or whatever he is, the Easter special He Man, uh, Jesus, he he actually I was seriously interested in him this this issue. Uh, <laughs> we've been through the the space He Man of the of the the, the early ladies early nineties cartoon, and uh, we uh we we we've, we've come to a universe where where Skeletor is in charge, where he has won the power of Grayskull. Um, and uh, of course, Andy Heeman visits visits him. So the our heroes are are put into a strange situation where they have to ally with Skeletor, and the 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 evil um, evil villains uh, in order to try and defeat Andy Heeman. And uh, it's it's a really enjoy really enjoyable book. Uh, really enjoying that. Uh, it's going to make a great uh, trade whenever it comes out. Whenever the six issues are out, don't know if it's because I'm in a Heeman kick at the minute. I finally. <laughs> Finished my uh, my brick of a hardback one thousand omnibus three hundred pages. Yeah, or something. absolutely. So I've I've all of the 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 He Man comics in in recent years. Um, uh, DC, I think they were DC all DC comics. Yeah. Um, he Man versus Thundercats. He Man versus Injustice. He Man in the DC universe. All the Eternity Eternal War stuff. Uh, so I've I'm sort of He Man in the brain at the minute. So maybe I've just clicked into this at the right time. <laughs> uh, really enjoying it though. Tim Seeley's a fantastic writer. Uh, it was on Nightwing for a long time, if I yeah, recall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tim Silly's been a long-term Nightwing writer, I believe. How about yourself, Rod? A little honorable mention in there? Yeah. Um, so, inspired by last week, uh, we talked quite a bit about Ruins of Ravencroft. Whose pick was that? That was, was my pick, I believe. Pick, but uh, I think by the time you had finished chatting to it, I had... Uh, bought it and Roddy then read it and everybody was enjoying the <laughs> and the Frank Puritan. Thierry thanked yeah. us for recommending it. <laughs> the, yeah, the pure uh, goodness of the first issue of Ravens of, Ruins of Ravencroft. So yeah, this one that was Ruins of Ravencroft Carnage. Carnage. This one is Sabretooth and the writer is Frank Thierry. Uh, Angel Unzueta is the artist in the modern day, and then Guillermo Sana is the artist in our flashbacks with Rochelle Rosenberg, the colorist. I thought this this one wasn't quite up to the first one. Um, still, really enjoyed it. They've got like a real B movie horror vibe going on. Um, there's a bit of um, they delve deeper. Yeah, they um, find this underground layer essentially. Yeah, yeah, in the first one, they find they find the book, the history of Ravencroft, and then they find the underground. Sort sort of reminds me of Resident Evil a wee bit. The the vibe of it, yeah. The underground facility, le- yeah, facility. That's the word underneath this big mansion. Um, but yeah, so we've got our our heroes, uh, Misty Knight, uh, John Jameson, isn't it? Yeah, John Jameson, uh, the uh, werewolf by night. Yep, and uh, JJ Jameson's son. Mm-hmm. 
um, and Reed Richards, and then we also have Kingpin joining them. Uh, wonder why he's interested in it. Uh, there's a few hints in the book as to who the uh, underground uh, the underground laboratory of the mad scientist belongs to. Mm-hmm. Don't want to give that away, though, do we? Okay. We're not, we're not a spoiler <laughs> podcast, are we? The one time I do a spoiler warning at the start of a podcast. <laughs> and it's the one time we're like, it. let's stop spoiling these things. But yeah, um, really, I still really enjoyed it. I d- definitely think it was a little, like a little touch down from the last yeah, week. It was a wee bit weaker than, than Carnage. Yeah. Not sure about Civil War, Captain America. Has that been? That is the spirit of, not the spirit of America, the spirit of. Uh, oh, I can't, I can't remember. It's not yeah. the fighting American. It's it's crazy because like this is this is a prelude to something bigger. Yeah, Ravencroft. There's so many cool grand ideas in this that that it feels like it could be a big, big series just by itself. Um, but yeah, we've got a bit more. Um, what was the first Cassidy's name? There's uh, what was his name? Cortland Cassidy, is that him? That's the boy. Um, so there's a lot of hints, there's a lot of throwbacks. We go back in time quite a bit. And then we're introduced to Jonas Ravencroft, who is basically starts the foundation. Another one of those optimists. <laughs> Though how he remembered about his ancestor Molly Ravencroft, because wasn't she but wasn't she like five hundred years before? Well, I, I trust he must yeah. have read it somewhere. He <laughs> must have done some historical research. Yeah, it was uh, also I thought that quite, was interesting. I mean, he obviously read Ruins of Ravencroft Carnage, mm. and that's why. To be fair, he had the t- <laughs> he maybe had the tome. Who knows? Um, but yeah, there's a really cool there's a really cool scene with Sabretooth, and he's talking to someone who you don't see, and then it's revealed to be sort of like, would you say a lobotomized? The bottom of Wolverine, Wolverine yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed that part. Really interesting. Um, the sight of Logan, sort of like helpless, almost, yeah. was really interesting to me. Didn't take long um, from the properly Halo, did it? No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, um, that's what it really surprised me. But I mean, it shouldn't have surprised me so much, given that the cover of it is sort of a melding together of Sabretooth and Wolverine. But I wasn't expecting Logan to be in this, yeah, at all. Yeah. And then, the, as you say, that jarring sight of like turning the page and he's in a straight jacket and you know lobotomized yeah. and all the rest i thought was very very cool i'm trying to i'm trying to answer your question as to who the this the sort of civil war era captain america is mm-hmm. and it's really annoying as you might understand trying to google civil war captain america <laughs> american civil war captain america <laughs> how many americans the original civil war uh, but yeah really cool you get an appearance by man thing to no not man thing what do you call him uh, the Wolfman. Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by Night. <laughs> Get there in the end. I'm not quite ready to be Mr. Marvel just yet. Yeah, um, Spotted safe for not uh, Mr. Marvel Jr. Keith's assistant. You want to call yourself MJ? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, really cool. Looking forward to next week is Dracula. Dracula, yeah, So that, that should be really that. cool. Um, yeah, and it's they, they sort of did the same thing as they did with the last one where they, they sort of bookended okay. this framing you know, device. Yeah. That was it, yeah, the, the discovery of the the underground um secret underground uh mad scientist lair bookended the actual story. Mm-hmm. Um and we're discovering more about the history of Ravencroft and that and that story within a story, uh which is kinda interesting and 
yeah, uh, some pretty cool stuff in there. But it didn't didn't just grab me as much as that that first one. I think there's the first one just because there was so much information, just first... cool weed things being revealed to yeah. you, you know. Whereas this one was maybe don't know. Do you think part of it was maybe that the first one was just dripping in atmosphere, yeah. and this one was more action based? Yeah, you know, it could be because the the well the initial surprise of Ravencroft is probably worn off. Yeah, know, so that's also true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed this as well. Again, I would agree it wasn't quite at the level of last week's, but you know, last week's was a pick of the week because the quality was that high. So, uh, but yeah, I'll I'll look forward to Dracula, which is out this week. Um, I'll just throw a few more we we very quick ones in. Uh, Sir Man's pal Jimmy Olsen continues to be awesome. Um, written by Matt Fraction, art by Steve uh, Lieber. I'm really curious how this is going to be put together as a trade. I would love it if they put all the stories together. This is like this is the kind of thing you would love, Roddy. This is an yeah, anthology I can, book. I, can, I can't wait to read it all. This is actually I've... an anthology book, and there's always at least six different stories, and you get maybe three pages of each. This is the kind of thing normally, for lack of a better term, I would normally hate. I was never a 2000 AD reader because I hated the idea of a couple of pages snippet, yeah. and then moving on to something else. But because this is, has the through line of Jimmy Olsen, and a lot of humor to it. I love it. Um, I'm really enjoying it as well, but then Matt Fraction. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, I wish he would just bring his friendships at Arsky over to DC. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Red Mother I was a big fan of, which I talked about number one quite a bit before, so I'll not go into it too much. Uh, written by Jeremy Juan, art by Danny Luckert. The reason I wanted to showcase this as well is I've ordered big this week on number ones of Red Mother. I, I genuinely think this is going to be a big title. So I've got uh, number ones coming in this store this week. So if you listen to a previous podcast where I chatted about it, I really recommend jumping on this. Yeah, uh, it was thoroughly brilliant, dripping in atmosphere. Um, although Roddy thinks it's maybe pulling a bit too much from Gideon Falls. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I said... Uh the character looks very similar to the smiling man in Gideon Falls, but I think it's probably maybe I'm. It's so scary I'm seeing the smiling man everywhere. You know, <laughs> <laughs> don't you be waking up with nightmares? You know, that's that's my that's my ballpark. Uh, and then my last one, I'll, I will admit this was close to being my pick of the week just for the sheer absurdity of it. Uh, this was Venom: The End. Um, the end being a sort of. Almost like an initiative Marvel have done before, where they've they've basically told the final stories of characters. Uh, the original runs were things like Iron Man, Iron Man, Captain uh, America, X-Men, Hulk. Um, there was a there was a whole bunch of them. Um, yeah. back back uh, I, in the early two thousands, mid two thousands. I don't know if you consider that a story more like freaking concept. novel. It's, <laughs> wow, it's yeah. it's it's, well, it's dense. It's dense. <laughs> it really is. Well, the thing about it is. Um, they're doing it for a few again. So they did Miles Morales the yeah, end. Yep. Uh, then they've done Venom the end. And then randomly this week, there's three of them coming out. There's Captain Marvel the end, Doctor Strange the end. and Captain America is there? Maybe it is Captain, it is Captain America. Maybe yeah. Captain America is the other one. But I should have really known when the first, uh, <laughs> the first two boxes of this are. So it's left to me to tell Venom's final story. This is rather a long story, I should warn you. <laughs> this book took me 35 minutes to read, which for a single issue is quite incredible. Uh, but it does cover 15 trillion years. It does, and it does it with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek. It does it with humor. It does it with a little, quite a lot of sadness as well, especially what happens to Eddie and how the symbiote keeps him alive. Um, it links a lot back to a lot of 
a lot of different bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah there's there was some great stuff in it though. I, I I really enjoyed it, but it was it took me maybe about ten pages to realize what it was, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And there's quite a bit of sadness in the end. Once I saw the appearance of Jamie Madrox, so I thought Keith's gonna love this. Mm. <laughs> it kind of, I mean, the, again, the 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 real key point is, you know, about the symbiotes and what do the symbiotes do without whenever whenever all organic no human life, yeah, all organic onto. life dies out, they no longer have hosts. What what happens then? Yeah. So it actually, you know, it did have a little bit of something to say as well, you know, maybe about the role of machines in our lives and AI and again ties back a little bit to maybe Iron Man 2.0. Can't host in an AI, can you? Exactly. But like the artwork in this, I thought was absolutely bonkers. Who who did Um, we have on it? So this was a, let me just want to make sure I get this right. So uh, Adam Warren's the writer. He also did a uh, variant cover for it. Uh, the artist is Jeffrey Chamba Cruz, not someone I'm overly familiar with, I have to say. Uh, Roddy's going to get the old quality Google out here. Not a team I'm overly familiar with. No. And uh, Clayton Cowles on letters, I mean, he's you know very, very solid. Um, does a lot of work for Marvel. But uh, yeah, I th- I'd, like, I'm genuinely looking forward to reading this again. Just flicking through it here now. Um, it's just nuts. Um, you know, like look at this little part at the top. I mean, Team Bow Life versus Team Godmind. It's <laughs> it was like Venom is a little like two leaves coming out of his symbiote head and stuff. It's uh, it's, it was I I just sort of breezed breezed through it, shall we say? Um, well, it's like you see this thing here, Team Bow Life, and it's Venom versus Team Godmind, <laughs> and then you just go, the outcome, however, was never in doubt. It's just this huge boot just stamping. <laughs> On the bio life, it um, felt really creative and really unique, and I'm looking forward to get a proper read of it. As someone who really dug Silver Surfer Black, I think yeah. you really like this. Uh, it's a bit more out there for a Marvel title. <laughs> um, so yeah, Venom the end. As I say, it was close to being my pick of the week, but the question just stole it at the last. Uh, I I really enjoyed it, but it was it was strange. It's the next to Immortal Hulk 25. Yeah, it's the most out there. It's exactly what it reminded me of. Yeah. Uh, so for me, um, I've got uh, Nightwing 68 as an honourable mention. Uh, Dan, Jorgen, Dan Jurgens uh, as the writer, Travis Moore and Ronan Cliquet uh, are sharing art duties. Uh, great cover. Uh, the, uh, the, the cover blurb says, Freed from the Claws of Talon. So uh, we're seeing now the story of uh, Rick Grayson, uh, Rick's uh, grandfather, William Paw Cobb. Cobb. William Cobb, who is a talent for the Court of Isles, is forward. There's a whole thing. The Court of Isles has uh, have revealed that they have systematically throughout his life been breeding and brainwashing uh, Dick Grayson to be a, a talent until uh, Bruce Wayne got a hold of him and that screwed everything up. But whenever he gets shot in the head by KG Beast and Batman 50, that gave them their opportunity. Uh, and they moved 55. in again. 55, whatever. 57. Ah, well, yeah, well, um, 57. <laughs> one, one of them, they're Tom King Batman issues. Um, but uh, so they, they actually moved in in the last couple of issues. Uh, Rick has been a talon and has been killing off the or uh, um, injuring the, the Nightwings who have taken his place as Nightwings since, uh, since he's forgotten his role. And uh, we're now actually seeing glimmers of uh, uh, Rick has now escaped their brainwashing. He's, he's, his memories of, of being... Dick Grayson and, and Robin and Nightwing have started to come back. He now has two sets of memories. He doesn't know what's real. 
He doesn't know what's not real. We're heading towards Nightwing 70 or 75, potentially. Come on. <laughs> we can get this over the line. <laughs> Dick Grayson needs to be back as Nightwing. <laughs> All these little carrots of hope just being dangled to you right now. Uh, aside from that, aside from the whole, obviously... I think despite myself, I'm really enjoying this. I'm starting to really enjoy the story of Rick Grayson and the Nightwings and uh, and uh, the, the the police officers and fire service folk who have taken over as Nightwings and fine. It's, it's uh, and I'm just but but and, and I just have this hope. I mean, I just come on now. It's the hope that kills you. It's the hope that kills <laughs> exactly. you. So it's either I mean, obviously, seventy is a, a big number and seventy five is a obviously always a big thing so they've got it's got to be it's got to be they're not going to wait till 100 are they <laughs> uh, i don't know if you'll still be around if it <laughs> well for 100 but i am really glad that uh you know obviously with our book clubs and so forth i was really glad that you got the record of owls before all this happens yeah because yeah. it obviously gives you a deeper understanding of you know what was being set up for dick grayson and with bruce wayne's intervention how he yeah. didn't go down that uh down that road yeah and i mean uh last one from me um is is one that i mean this was very close to being my pick of the week uh it was flash uh, 86 by uh by uh joshua williamson uh rafa sandoval and this is the conclusion of uh rogues reign uh so the flash has been uh very cleverly clever cleverly uh, covering what was the the banner head that DC was using? Um, Year of the villain. Year of the villain. Year of the villain. That's the only one that's been worth anything in Year of the villain. It really has. Um, the whole dark gifts of Lex Luthor. Uh, Captain Cold has taken one of these dark gifts. He's supercharged. He's now King Cold. He's in charge of um, of Central City. Uh, yeah, he's the rogues have split up. You know the the other rogues are are working with the Flash, whose speed force powers are in overdrive and. Uh, it's been a really great uh, few issues. This this um, what do they call it? Yeah, Rogues Rogues Reign storyline. So this this finishes it out, and it's just action packed, great battle. The the sides are all mixed up. Captain Cold's on his own. The rest of the Rogues are on Flash's side. Um, Flash's parts, as I say, are in overdrive. The the other Flashes are are struggling with their parts as well, and the Speed Force. And uh, it's just been a it's been a great uh, it's a great story. There's a great knockout. Knockdown, drag out fight with between Captain Cold, the overpowered Captain Cold, and the overpowered Flash, but uh, you know it, it comes to an end with with Flash. You know he almost beats uh, Captain Cold to death, destroys him because he can't control the speed force, he can't control his own powers. So, I mean, uh, in the end, we have we have victory on the the part of the Flashes and the part of the good guys and over the the over Captain Cold, but uh, in doing so, uh, the the city's restored. But in doing so, Flash realizes that he's dangerous. And he needs to be handed into the authorities, and he belongs in prison with the rogues until such times as he can control his powers. So, uh, yeah, great. St- Again, Joshua Williamson, Flash, eighty-six issues. This seems like it's been going on for eighty-six issues, but it's always like under the radar, almost it, a wee bit. I don't know. It's consistently like good. Hit. It's consistently good. Um, yeah. Very, very, very good stuff. Officially makes uh, yeah. it the longest run by any one writer on uh, any DC book. Said through gritted teeth. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. I, I've I've really enjoyed The Flash as well. And Joshua yeah. Williamson's a writer I always recommend. Yeah. If it's not The Flash, it's Neil Bider. If it's not Neil Bider, it's Birthright. Very, very good writer. Batman um, Superman. Batman Superman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll come to that in a moment, so we will as we... Uh, move away then so that's the end of our honorable mentions and we will finish off as ever with our uh, 
titles we're looking forward to for the new release uh, week, which is going to be the 22nd of January. Uh, I should just throw out a little... Um, a little mention of some delays to some titles this week. Uh, Diamond in their Eternal Wisdom somehow managed to misplace a pallet um, of stuff being shipped over from the US. Typical Diamond. Uh, so there are a few titles there. Now in terms of our store, there's there's two titles that definitely stick out as being delayed that will affect uh, people's pull lists. And that is Hellblazer number 3 and Superman 19. So they're both going to be delayed by one week and will be out in the week of the 29th. There are a couple of other titles in there as well that'll be delayed a week. You've got Wonder Twins, Books of Magic, Red Hood, Batgirl, <clears throat> pardon me, and Batman Beyond as well. So just a few titles that will be uh, put back one week. But in terms of what actually is coming to us, uh, I'm just so happy. It's such a Batman-related week. This is awesome. Top three, top three. Uh, there's four Batman titles alone. Pick your top three. <laughs> Um, if I had to pick my top three... Which are your favourite children? We have Batman Curse of the White Knight, number six. Uh, consistently awesome series from Sean Murphy. Uh, really looking forward to that. We've got Batman 87. So we're getting on to the second part of uh, James Tinian's uh, new run on Batman. So thoroughly looking forward to that as well. And the third one I'm going to throw out there isn't even going to be a bat title, actually. But... I keep talking up this title, number four of it's out this week. When it hits trade, we're going to push the hell out of it. Vampire State Building, number four, Die Hard with Vampires. Drop the wow. mic. Wow. <laughs> Aggressive. Drop the mic. How about you, Vicky? What are you looking forward to this week? Um, I, I've got my picks written down. Oh, you don't even need the invoice. You no, I don't need the invoice. I looked for it. Um, I, I've top actually, three. Top I, three. I know. That's what I was about to say. I've got five written down. And to pick them, I've got, I'll have to go Middle West. Um, as I'm looking forward to that one. Middle West is just, it's Number fun. Number 14. Um, Sc Scotty Young writing it, which is always good fun. It's just si seeing where the story's going, I'm looking forward to that. Um, Family Tree also, I think that's number three. And that is Mr. Jeff Lemire again. Oh. Um, it's, it's an interesting title. Um, I just, I picked it off the rack when number one was on there. I was like, I'm just going to give this a go. It's number one. Might as well see what it's like. And it turned out to be... A it's a great companion piece to Farmhand, I think. Yeah. Um, so it was good. I got. I managed to get a couple of the regulars onto it. And then... Ooh, um, I'm going to go American Jesus. Oh, Mark Miller was always going to win out in that battle, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. I, let's be honest. It's If it's the only title I'm going to get this year, then I'm going to have to... What's that face for, Roddy? Oh no, Keith! Keith and I were looking at each other like, "What are we gonna go for?" Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, well, I would I be, sorry. I would be sorry. very surprised if the other two that Vicky didn't pick from her five. That we were just like, yeah. "You don't mention." Yeah. yeah. How about yourselves then? Go on. No, Keith, you go ahead. It's very decent of you. Yeah, very decent. I'm a gentleman. You I certainly are. <laughs> certainly are. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, for me, uh, Old Guard Force Multiplied number two by Greg Ruckett is out tomorrow, or is out this week. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um. Let me see. Um, oh, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a, a veritable plethora of stuff out. Mm. Um, and I, I think it's a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of stuff that both Roddy and I are looking I think, to. I think we've sort of crossed over. Yeah, we? We're on quite, quite a similar path. Um, it's the Miller McCann's crossover. Yeah. Okay, well, in that case, then uh, I'll go uh, Once in Future number six. 
Okay. Which uh, interestingly on my invoice says number six of six. <laughs> but we do know it is an ongoing, so this is clearly the end of the first arc. And uh, our good buddy Al Ewing has got Guardians of the Galaxy number one coming out. Yeah. Cool. Well, looking forward to that as well. Ready? Yeah, well, I'll go for the other boom title, which is Folklords, <laughs> number three. Um, really, really enjoying that one. And then I've got a couple of Marvel ones. I'll go for Conan Serpent War number four, which would be really... Looking forward to that. Yeah, seeing the finale of that, that should be really good. And then sort of a bit rejuvenated with Spider-Man. So I think number 38 is out. So I'm excited to see where that goes. I think Otley's sticking around for a bit. So yeah can't wait for that i that, think there's loads more too yeah i mean that that, that those three you picked because it could easily have been my most anticipated list yeah. <laughs> crossover little, little shout out as well uh wonder woman 750 uh is out this week and we have all of the different variants coming in from artists such as j scott campbell adam hughes jim lee uh so i expect it to be a bit of a wonder woman centric week there as well uh so yeah uh yeah i think my pull list is definitely going to grow this week i'm estimating about 20 to 21 so just to make up for that slow week last week <laughs> but uh yeah four bat titles and all of those titles mentioned that we didn't even mention batman superman by joshua williamson number six out this week as well see you tell him three you tell him three <laughs> you have to stick to the rules I, I i i would but i'm taking my lead from uh keith and his one honorable mention that turns into 12 so we're all good, we're all good. um so yeah i think that's going to do it for us for this week vicky's sort of mentioning something to me you, you can just talk don't worry um so this weekend um alan and i are actually flying over to england so the store's closed no, it's not. Alan's being dramatic. But um, what is this? I see a hero coming over the <laughs> the horizon saying, hand me the keys. Who is it? I can't see. He's had his hair cut. He's looking a bit more stylish these days. Uh, Apparently taking his fashion tips from Conor McGregor. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, it's Roddy, the barista. <laughs> the trained so, barista people. Yeah, it'll be... Roddy and Heroes on <laughs> on Saturday. Does that mean you're not giving it any coffee? <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I think I'm going to be in charge of the store on Saturday. Yep. So you thank go. you very much beforehand. Um, yeah, we're, we're actually going home to see my family as we haven't seen them since... Well, Alan hasn't seen them all since um, the wedding that we went to last May. So it'll be good for him to get a break and to see the rest of the family but it'll be nice for us to see the wee mat the wee men um in our family and just sort of have a couple of days just chilling out and well it'll be worth seeing both of them just so we can give them their copies of garth ennis's earth which is a <laughs> part of their christmas present because they haven't been given it yet i i held everything back oh so wow really i was like you're not going to get anything i'm going to bring it over and you can have and it deliver it that makes it extra special i think if you've got if you're like a kid and you've got like christmas presents waiting for still you still to yeah. get down the January. Yeah. Exactly. yeah so um we will be obviously what he's looking after the store on saturday and then we're not actually flying back until late monday night so um the store will actually be closed on monday so um, obviously it'll all be on social media, but just to if you're listening to this, just to have a 
Just to let you know, you'll have Roddy's lovely face on Saturday. Yeah, look, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. So looking looking forward to seeing a lot of regulars and just having a good time chatting comics. So if anybody listens to the podcast, come in and let me know and go easy, go easy on me. He'll sign any book (laughs) you like, you know. Yeah, I should say all my stuff is on sale too. So try and push that a wee bit. Um, But yeah, can't can't wait. Chuffed, chuffed to be doing it. So hopefully I'll do you guys proud because you've been very kind to me. So it's the least I can do. So well, we have no doubt it is in safe hands, and uh, I'm sure you'll have a busy one. I'll, I'll one, we'll take bets on how long it'll take him to call us. You know? <laughs> well, guys, what's this beeping Friday in the till? <laughs> for, for me, it was a good two minutes. <laughs> this till won't stop beeping, guys. Can't unfold this table. What's going on? <laughs> I think Keith had it best because Keith, uh, just to throw in an old story here, but Keith did it for free comic book day. And uh, I said to him the day before, I was like, do you mind actually going down, maybe opening an hour early, just, just in case. You know, no one might show up, but, you know, just in case. <laughs> So we always open at 10, but Keith lives quite close to the store. So he said, oh, no problem. I'll go down for nine. So Dander's down, maybe still a wee tiny bit sleepy, thinks. Got to get a wee coffee going, you know, get a wee ease in sort of thing, you know. Walks around the corner, <laughs> queue of 25 people being like, are you open yet? He's <laughs> like, let me get the lights on. Did they all Hel- pile in when you opened the door? Health and safety, or? guys. Health and safety. It was, it was like unlocking the door and then sort of sneaking in and locking the door after me. <laughs> They're in the walls. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll see if you get that kind of reception. Well, Probably well, not because it wasn't free comment. Well, now we've put it out there. I, I I would like to hope there's a queue when I come down. I think there'll be a full-time job ready for you. Yeah. you know, we'll come back. The store will have been that busy. That's it. I can just retire and just leave it in your capable hands. Happy days. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Definitely Just not going to wing it. Put a decimal point when you're ringing in something in the till. That's how the till beeps. This yes. will all be covered. Don't worry. Okay. In my induction. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That'll do it for us. I would imagine. That's us. Um, yep. I would say the all the usual social media stuff, but we've got something special planned for that. <laughs> <laughs> so for now, I'm just going to say goodbye and uh, pleasure as always, guys. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Coffee and Heroes, a comic book and coffee shop in Smithfield Market, Belfast. You can find us on all the usual social media outlets at Coffee Heroes One on Twitter, at Coffee and Heroes on Instagram, and just search Coffee and Heroes on Facebook. This podcast is also produced in association with Fracture Press, an independent comic label also based in Belfast. You can find Fracture Press on all major social media platforms. If you do like what we do, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and most importantly, spread the word. Where's the keep on winging it, Roddy? Well, you, you were can, trying to well, make it a thing. I'm going to tell everyone that on Saturday. <laughs>